The Daily Tonic is a five-minute newsletter that shares science-backed health news and tips, all while getting you to crack a smile or even laugh out loud on occasion. It's a daily morning newsletter started by wellness lovers for wellness lovers that covers everything from diet and exercise to morning routines and sleep aids. To subscribe, go to 247health.com and click on the Daily Tonic button at the top of the webpage. When you go to 247health.com to subscribe to the Daily Tonic newsletter, be sure to check out their product reviews and special recipes. There you can find reviews on the latest health technology that will improve your performance, your recovery, and your longevity. 247health.com believes that wellness is a personal journey, but it's always good to have a friend who knows what they're talking about, too. Give them a try at 247health.com. Did you know many of 247health.com's favorite products, like avocado oil mayonnaise, hydrating ketone water, skin-revitalizing red light lamps, all are featured on the Daily Tonic with discount codes? If you see a cool new product on the website, there's probably a special link on the Daily Tonic. Plus, the Daily Tonic also features new wellness products with special discounts every single day. To subscribe, go to 247health.com and click on the Daily Tonic button at the top of the webpage. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, Faust Ruggiero. He's an author of a book called The Fix Your Anxiety Handbook. Uh, so we're going to talk about his work with anxiety and his background. I think it'll be a great, a very productive call. Faust, thanks for coming. Richard, thanks so much for inviting me. If you would, tell me about your uh, background. Unfortunately, I think with these kind of topics, people usually have personal experience with what they're writing about. But what's your background story? Well, you know, I've been uh, doing this for a little over four decades now, as far as the counseling concerned. Uh, I was always that person that uh, loved to hear people. I you know, love to talk, hear their stories, help them if I could. That goes way back to the kid. So it was natural for me just to go into the, into the profession, studied psychology, was real smart enough to put together a program that was diversified when I was a grad student. So uh, it led me into what I'm doing now. And my way to do this was to work in a few clinics and hospitals and a prison at one time and, and get as much background as I could. And then uh, back about 35 years ago, I started counseling uh, in private practice. So I've been doing that ever since. Wow, that's a long time. This is a very general question, but what have you noticed about the people that you counsel over the years and decades? Like, how have they changed and their anxieties well, you know, and expectations changed? That's a good question. Over the last 30 years, the society we live in has accelerated itself at just a torrid pace. And, you know, when I, uh, when I, was, uh, I wrote the first book and we looked at it as that was selling and we said, well, you know, the second we thought about doing a sequel to that. And then it, the pandemic hit and we just looked at the anxiety level. 
So we turned what was um, one book into the Fix Your Self-Empowerment series. This is the second book and the anxiety level based on not just the events and, and the way, what's happening in the world, just how fast we're going and people just can't keep up with it. Okay. So, you know, things have gotten a lot faster. There's a lot more going on. I know that people have gotten a lot more distracted, um, but what else have you noticed about people and what kind of consequence, whether they see it or not, has it had on their mental health? The thing I'm seeing now is a, a reliance on substances far more than we've ever had. When I, actually, when I started counseling, maybe five, maybe 10% of my clientele uh, was on some type of an anti-anxiety or an antidepressant medicine. Today, that's more like 70. So if there's anything that I'm seeing is there's a reliance on external factors, uh, medicines, things like that in order to feel better. And people want to do that quickly. Uh, and it's being sold that, that, that way. We, know we, we really do live in a drug culture these days. And uh, it's the quick fix kind of way to make things happen. And, you know, you, you feel good for a little while. That wears off and you keep trying something else. And it's just a, it's just a vicious circle. It's hard. I've seen with a lot of things to really fix them, you know, sleep or anxiety, whatever it may be. You really got to go to like the root causes of or the root pillars of health, I guess I'd call them, you know, sleep, eating, relationships, things like that. But you know, I'm probably putting words in your mouth. What have you seen is really necessary for people to achieve actual success and get rid of their anxiety, improve their health and relationships? Well, and you actually did start to say that, you know, the foundational items come first. You know, the body is not meant uh, to be accelerated at this pace for long periods. Of we do need sleep, a, a good amount of sleep, REM sleep. We need a, a balanced diet. You know, we're, we're loading up on quick, quick fix items to eat, uh, lots of caffeine, you know, carbs, all that kind. Of, uh, we're not exercising like we, and then just our time management skills, our energy management, energy management. We're just not using any, any of that appropriately. And then, you know, if you do that long enough, eventually it becomes something that's very difficult to fix. So you get back to root causes. The root causes are getting away from the fundamentals that we need to exist. So what is your protocol like with people? Is it um, they read your book first and then they have a counseling session with you? And, you know, what kinds of uh, exercises or things do you tell people? I know everyone's yeah. different, but what are some uh, of your tools to help people? Yeah, there's two ways to answer that. Since the book came out, you know, I see a lot, a lot of online things. So they'll read the book. They'll, they'll start reading some of the articles that I'm writing and they'll see me on podcasts and interviews. And then they'll, you know, they'll look at that. They'll read things and, and then they'll want to get help. Or people that are within the vicinity will come in first and then read the book. But the same thing, you know, it's really the same advice I, I tell people. You're not going to fix this by fo focusing on something outside of yourself. That's not where the problem started. You got to get in inside yourself. You got to be able to work with your emotions and learn how to deal with those, uh, how to be able to get your intellect to the point that it's now uh, filtering through information, collecting and, and filtering through it. So you have the right information. You know, you need to slow down long enough to do that. Um, you know, get away from all these outside influences. You know, just you turn on your television or your phone or computer, whatever it may be, and it's loading you up with emotional shock value stuff. And you want to get away from all that kind of stuff. You know, disconnecting, if I tell people, you don't have to disconnect for a week, but if you can disconnect for three or four hours a day, you don't need to be connected to media that long. Oh, disconnect three or four hours a day, what, from smartphone use or from all technology or? What do you well, mean? just so that you're not immersed in it. You know, it's, I mean, you know, uh, cell phones are how we communicate. That is today's version of the telephone. Okay, you're going to have that on. But, but you know, I mean, I'll, I'll watch 
people sitting in cars, walking in stores as they're texting or as they're actually looking at a, a YouTube a podcast, a podcast or whatever while they're walking. Um, adults, it, uh, the adults now have had media connectivity long enough that they're, it's an addictive process. So they're actually engaged in all that kind of stuff at night. We're not seeing family time with kids um, like we should. We're, you know, there's just, we just need to say, let, let me put the cell phone down. Let me put, you know, the tablet down and let me live. Let me, let me get, you know, back with my family. Let me go do some things that make sense for me without all the connectivity because it just doesn't give your nervous system long enough to, to reset. That's the yeah, it's tough. I see people yeah, constantly on the phone. I mean, it is addictive. I try to, to reduce its use as well. It's very hard. You know, I'll read a book and then I'm, if the phone's anywhere near me, I'm tempted to look at the phone. It's just easier. It's easier to watch a YouTube video than to read a book or, you know, do other kinds of work. So it's a constant pull. Well, and the other part of that is people are investing a tremendous amount of their lives on cell phones. I mean, I'm, I remember running a group and I asked, there were I think seven participants and I asked, the group, just put your cell phones aside for, this is going to be an hour, one hour, no connectivity. One girl be, began to cry when I said, we put them on the desk. She began to cry. So I, I can't be, I, I might get an important call. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I have to have that near me. And I noticed in the first 10 minutes, all she did was have that phone on the chair next to her and constantly looking back into the phone, pressing buttons. You know, the way the, the human neurology works is it, it gets addicted to those. And it's just the way well, it is. So You've literally seen, I mean, what percentage of people, like, I don't know if you have different levels of addiction that you've categorized, but what, what levels have you seen and what kind of, is this, this is one good story, but how common is this? Or is there a lower level of addiction that you see that's more common in adults? Like, what does it look like to you, Lance? Well, addiction itself, you know, and I, it is one of the areas I'm certified in. Addiction is one of those things where uh, it becomes a habit. And you can still work with it then. When it gets to the point that it's an addiction, then what that really means is that physically, emotionally, intellectually, you're in. You're all in. Uh, and then put, putting it aside is going to cause some type of withdrawal effect. You're going to feel uncomfortable, maybe. I've seen people with cell phones, crazy as it sounds, I've seen people go into physical withdrawal, get themselves nauseous, find their ways to the bathroom to, 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 uh, to throw up, all those kinds of things. So uh, it depends on the person. It depends on their addictive potential. Um, there are genetically, there is some, there's a lot of research. We're, we're just at a point where it's, it's one of those things where if you're going to get involved in that type of media on that level, there can be consequences. It's like anything else, moderate it if you can. And if you try that and you can't, that's a good indicator to you that something's wrong. The Daily Tonic is a five-minute newsletter that shares science-backed health news and tips all while getting you to crack a smile or even laugh out loud on occasion. It's a daily morning newsletter started by wellness lovers for wellness lovers that covers everything from diet and exercise to morning routines and sleep aids. To subscribe, go to 247health.com and click on the Daily Tonic button at the top of the webpage. When you go to 247health.com to subscribe to the Daily Tonic newsletter, be sure to check out their product reviews and special recipes. There you can find reviews on the latest health technology that will improve your performance, your recovery, and your longevity. 247health.com believes that wellness is a personal journey, but it's always good to have a friend who knows what they're talking about, too. Give them a try at 247health.com. Did you know many of 247health.com's favorite products, like avocado oil mayonnaise, hydrating ketone water, skin-revitalizing red light lamps, all are featured on the Daily Tonic with discount codes? If you see a cool new product on the website, 
there's probably a special link on the Daily Tonic. Plus, the Daily Tonic also features new wellness products with special discounts every single day. To subscribe, go to 247health.com and click on the Daily Tonic button at the top of the webpage. That's, that's crazy that uh, people are having physical withdrawal. Well, you know, um, do you know it's, that- it's an addiction. Any addiction, any addiction is going to bring along some type of physical discomfort. And, uh, and, and the proof of that is, you know, take what you think you might be addicted to, cell phone, whatever it may be, and don't use it. Put it away for a day and see how well you do. And for some people, they're going to get what you'll get it at the very least is you'll get anxious. You'll feel yep. as though you want to yep. do something and you can't. And that's going to bother you. If it's not a problem, you should put it aside and say, well, no, no, no issues. You know, I won't, I won't do anything unless it rings, not a text. If it rings and I, you know, I'll look at it. It's, it's the kids or it's, you know, the friend that I have to, or it's business or whatever it may be. Then I answer it. Other than that, if I, you know, you make a rule and you don't, you don't violate that at all. If you can do it, you're probably okay. But if you can't, if you're making excuses, if you're checking in, you know, and seeing there, if there's a text, all that kind of stuff, that's a good indicator that something's wrong, that, you, you know, that you, you, you don't have quite the control you should have. That's true. Uh, do you see that younger people have more of a problem versus older, or is the nature of the addiction different? You know what? I used to answer that by saying young people more, because really this kind of stuff came in around the mid to late 90s, our phones and all that, we were just getting into them. So, you know, we're, we're a good solid 20 years into it. But that, so that means the generation 20s and 30s, they've had that a long time, most of their, their, their lives. Adults, you think wouldn't be the case. And you have some that, you know, kind of stay disconnected, their, their vices TV or whatever it may be. But what I'm finding is not so much anymore. It's really now coming back, back to the median, if you will, everyone's getting addicted pretty much the same way. It's been here long enough that it's become part of the life. But again, in, in older people versus younger or in different kinds of demographics or situations, what, how is the nature of the addiction different? Are younger people more social media addicted and adults more like text and notification and email addicted? Is there any nuance there? Well, you know what? That's what I'm saying. You're right. That split used to be there, but we're seeing the adults come into you know, the, particularly uh, videos, we're seeing a lot of that, or they have their Facebook connected to the, you know, a sync to their phone. So we're seeing social media, adults are right there. I mean, I, there are times on, on, on Facebook, uh, you know, I'll send a message to, and sometimes when I say message, an instant message someone about an appointment, something like that. And within 30 seconds, they've answered back. I'm saying, are they on their Facebook? And then when I talk to them, they'll say, no, I just have it synced with my phone. So it, soon as you hit that, I get a message and I answer it right back because I don't want to miss any messages. And this is someone in their 40s and 50s. So yeah, it, th- th- that line is beginning to blur a little bit. So what does um, like the therapy protocol that you come up with look like? Is it, um, they do an experiment where they try to go without their phone, let's say for an hour, and then you build up to a day? Or what does this process look like of removing this addiction if someone wants to do it? Before we get started, I have a quick favor. I've been self-funding the Finding Genius podcast for five years now. I've done over 3,000 episodes. And as you can see on YouTube, we're up over a million views on the channel, which is fantastic. The next thing I really want to push on is to get up to 10,000 subscribers. Because once we do, we'll be able to put a donate button and uh, we'll be able to solicit donations uh, to help keep the podcast running and to also get the Finding Genius Foundation moving along. We have a big project studying anxiety, depression, and PTSD, and working on a product to help people overcome these problems uh, because I've seen them explode recently 
after the uh, you know the last two years of the whole virus situation. So if you would, please subscribe to the podcast. That would help us tremendously. Give us a thumbs up. And check in the description for Buy Me a Coffee. It's about five bucks. If you could buy me a coffee, I'd really appreciate it. It would help keep the channel going. And I love coffee. Thank you. Well, the, the key is, the thing is, it's interesting. Unlike other addictions, it's not yet viewed as such. It's viewed as a habit. It's viewed as a necessity. So when you bring it up as an addiction, very, I've, I've had, I think, over the last 20 years, two people that came in and said, yeah, I got a real problem with my cell phone. People will come in and say, yeah, I know I'm doing this too much, but they don't see it as an addiction. And if they start to think about it, they are not willing to deal with it. It's a must in their minds. I wonder if anyone has like um, no cell phone meetups or uh, no cell phone parties or events or things like that. I mean, you know, at dinner, I'll do that with my family, you know, no phones at the table. But I wonder if um, any businesses do that or commercial outfits or just people do that with their their friends i've seen it done i've even seen uh from time to time people will do it let's, let's have a party and no cell phones uh and 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 you know and and they may do that for a couple hours and it's but it's novel it's not something like uh you know they do all the time i have heard that uh there are meetings like and i don't i don't know the names of so i'm going to say cell phones anonymous if you will that people will go and say they're addicted they'll go there and sit down with other people um, I don't think, but I've never heard of them lasting long like other 12-step. The problem with a cell phone is unless you decide you're going to disconnect and never use a cell phone, have your, your uh, analog phone or whatever it is that you have in your home, and that's all you're going to do, unless you're willing to do that, cell phones, are it's, it's in your hand, it's in your car. Uh, Bluetooth has synced in your car. You know, I mean, you, you, you now get, you get to be hands-free. People have, people have their... their uh, phones in their ears, whatever it may be, the pause in their ears, and they are synced up to their phone. They have watches on them. I mean, it just continues to go. And the technology is getting obviously more sophisticated. So I don't see it falling off. I see it just becoming a part of the way we live uh, to the point that it's going to be inseparable from. What about uh, extroverts versus introverted? Uh, anyone characterize the difference in their cell phone use and how the addiction captures them and if one has an easier time or not of breaking it? Again, the lines are becoming blurred. The old answer to that used to be that extroverts were far more involved in cell phones and those types of things because they need the outside stimulations. But what's happened is, and we really saw this in the pandemic, is that introverts and people who didn't use it much are relying on it much more because they don't have to go out and face other people. So it's the same type of thing, but a different being used differently for different crowds. Okay. So what are you trying to accomplish? Are you, are you trying to make a protocol for people that, again, in particular are addicted or is it more just anxiety in general focused or like that well, is a cell phone use fit into your world? Yeah, this, I don't I, tr- I try not to get too involved in just unless someone comes in and says uh, there's an addiction or it's one of those things that's causing something. I, mean, I, had, I had two people come in and had a marriage couple for marriage counseling and, and they were telling me about a horrible argument that they had. And, um, you know, it went on for about five minutes and then it became evident that something was missing here. I said, wait a minute, where were you when you had the argument? And uh, I think it was the wife said, I was downstairs. He was upstairs. I said, you were screaming at each other. No, we were texting. So in the same house (laughs) on the cell and, and, you know, when you hear it, it sounds funny, but if you talk to people, just your normal friends and say, do you have arguments with your friends or family members via text? You'd be surprised how many do. 
They're at work. It's just a bad medium for that because it's a horrible medium. You can't see the person. That's weird. It's happening a lot. Again, once it begins to supplant the way we typically do things, which is face to face, then, you know, the texting's taking over. It used to be just person to person. Then telephones came in. Okay. We argued over the telephone. Then cell phones came in. We started using cell phones, but when texting took over, you don't have to even face the other person. You don't have to listen to them. You just wait for your phone to ding. And then you go back and you respond, hit send. And they do the same thing. And this goes on. I've had, I've had, and I, I, some of the things I do are employee assistance program. I've had employers come in and say, this, this person's been on the phone back and forth. And they say, what's the problem? I'm having trouble with my spouse or my significant other. So, you know, and it's very important. And I said, well, what would you do if we never had cell phones, which is what we always did. And, you know, but meanwhile, the argument ensues all day long to the, to the uh, workday, the uh, work performance has gone down and the individual is, is emotionally distraught at work, often by machinery. It'd be weird if, um, if let's say you and uh, you know your partner that like, you went to a dinner or you guys went out to dinner and you agreed we're not going to talk at all during dinner we're just going to text each other but we're going to sit across from the table and look at each other obviously but we're only allowed to text each other it'd be a, a fun weird experiment you know? i've seen people do things like that and i actually had someone we they, they did this all the time so we brought something like that up okay arrange some type of a date wherever you want to go and do nothing but text and they both looked at me like i was crazy we're going to be right across from each other and we're going to text. I said, you were in the same house in different rooms and you were doing it. And, you know, <laughs> first they started to laugh like you are right now and said, oh, and wife looked at her husband and said, oh, my God, we do this. This is the other part of it. When it becomes addictive, we don't question it anymore. It becomes a default way of, of living. So we don't question our use with cell phones. It's just part of the culture. Yeah, it's weird. My wife is more introverted than I am and she'll tend to text more. And my default always is like, call the person, stop texting, call, just call them already. You'll get it done in right. a second. But I guess different personalities, they, they respond to this differently. I'll tell you, one of the things that I, that works not only with uh, cell phone, with any addiction, but, but, but cell phones, a lot of it's, it's, it's to take it off autopilot. I, it's a term I use a lot. Stop just doing it. Think about it first before you send the text, take a step back. Don't send it and say, do I want to do this? Put a little time between the actual behavior, that, that the willingness to text, and the thought of doing so. We go so fast, we say those things we don't want to say. It's out there in the public domain. Now we're stuck. Uh, and the other thing it does, you're talking about going so fast, it slows you down a little bit, gives your brain some control over it. You don't want the cell phone to be a control item in your life. You want to control it. It, it, it's it's a piece of machinery. You want to control it. So take a step back and say, "Let do I want to do this right now? If you say yes, then ask yourself the question, how do I want to do it? Now you've put some more control on your end of things. So, so to answer your question, how do I, what do I do with people? That's one of the things I do. Let's just go slow. Don't just pick up your cell phone and start to hit buttons or, or dictate or whatever you do. Take a step back and say, do I want to do this? If yes, how am I going to do it? And when? Make your mind the controlling enterprise. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't know if they're available. They probably are. But I've heard that there's apps that, uh, you know, if you're going to send a message, maybe it scans it for mean words. And it says, are you sure you want to send this message? And sometimes that alone can help reduce the number of uh, you know, angry texts that people would send. Maybe well, there's it can. A, another form. 
And Ken, I like the fact that there's something out there to help control this. The only problem is you are using, we, when we do that, we're using the very device that we're abusing in order to help us control it. Again, then the locus of control is outside of ourselves. It should be inside. It should be our or a mind doing that. And we have the ability. I, it, when, I, when I deal with that, you asked before, do I have them just you know, take an hour off or a day? I, I try to get them to do this. The phone is going to be there and they can come in and tell me the next week, oh yeah, I took the whole day off and I, I'm probably not going to. You know, so I, what I do is say, just slow it down. Use your phone, but let's use it differently. Have a rule that says, I don't just get on and go. You know, my phone rings. I'll be honest. I have people in my address book. Uh, and if I look at it and I know the number, I answer. If I don't know it, I don't. If it's a text, uh, I already have it built in that I can slow down. I don't have to answer right away. And I watch people do this. It, the phone rings, it, or a little ding. The, the text is there. They look at it and they start, their fingers start to go. And I say, man, that's fast. You know, I like the idea that I have time. I don't have to. I can look at that and, and it's my default. I'll look at that. Give it some time and say, do I want to answer this? What do I want to say? How do I want to say it? When do I want to respond? I'm the controller, not that phone. Yeah, I've noticed, um, you know, if I'm somewhere and I do have my phone out, it makes a difference if it's out, if it's in my pocket. It makes a difference if it's face up versus face down. You know, it makes, there's all kinds you could do, like little things to maybe take the edge off at least. But then again, if someone's addiction is deep enough, even if the phone, let's say, is face down or in their bag, they might like, freak out and have to check it 10 times, you know? But maybe it's better to have a little bit of distance. I don't know. And, and well, it, anything is good. You know, you'll notice that people don't have the when they came when phones came out. There was a case. There were cases, and I mean virtual cases, not virtual cases, physical cases. You had to open up, take the phone out, and then do something. Had it strapped on your hip or what? Now the phone has a you know a little protective case, screen protector, whatever it may be, and the phone goes in your pocket. So when it dings, you feel it. Uh, but some people, many people now, the watch is on your arm, the phone is in the pocket. So you're, you've got a double whammy going on. And, and what, you'll, what people will tell you is when it rings, I want to know right away what's going on because they don't want to miss. That's the way this, that's the other dynamic in this whole uh, cell phone usage thing is that we don't want to miss anything. We, we think we're going to get left behind. I didn't hear that. Who, and now you feel like you're out of it, you know, and most of what you miss isn't that important anyway. Instead of FOMO, it's PhoneMo. No. It is. Bad joke. What if you're out and about and you're interacting with someone that's an acquaintance or a stranger and you see that the person can't even have a conversation with you? You just keep looking at their phone over and over and over. Is there anything you could say that is, it has to be somewhat rude to knock someone out of that so you can talk well, to you them? Know what? Or like, what, what, what I do... do? I, whether it's in the office and they're doing in the office, I'll stop them right away. If, if it happens once, twice, I don't say anything, but it happens a third time. I'm going to say, you're going to have to do something with that because we need to talk. And I'll tell them, you know, you're paying for the time. If you really want to spend it on your phone, you know, and I, I'll joke with them at that point. Why don't you just stay home and send me a check? Because the same thing is going to happen. Uh, when I'm, if I'm out with someone and they're losing, looking at their phone the whole time, if, if we're in a group of people, I'll just go to someone else. And often, and often they don't even know it. Uh, or I may say, hey, you want to talk or do you want to get that? I, you know, I'll bring it to con right, right up into the conscious part of the conversation because my, my opinion is it, it's not me being rude, it's them. If we're looking at, you know, if, if I'm talking to you, I'm going to be looking, I'm making eye contact. I have the courtesy to stay focused on you. And then if I want to answer that phone when I'm done with the conversation, which is what probably going to be a few minutes, then I'll answer my phone. 
again, that's where I say it goes so fast. It's automatic. You know, what are the top root causes of anxiety that you see of the people that you help? Well, again, we were talking. The first is that the world goes so fast that, that uh, anxiety is a process in the body where everything's accelerated. It's not like, you know, uh, today I'm calm and relaxed. I have anxiety. It's just the opposite. So things are going fast. We're putting accelerants in the body. Most of the people, very probably if, if 10 people come in my office with anxiety, at least seven of them have too much caffeine in there. Always. Uh, it's the two or three cups in the morning. It's the energy drinks or, or the uh, soda with the caffeine. Um, it's the workout program with the caffeine in it. Um, people will tell you, and they're very blatant and open about it. I'm nothing in the morning until I have my second or third cup of coffee, you know, and then, you know, they're off and running. Uh, but, and, and the key is that's what their bodies have adjusted to. So they don't, they don't even realize that's the, a part of the problem. Uh, unresolved issues are another one, you know, environmental things, family concerns, relationships, they create anxiety. Um, some people are just more prone genetically or more prone to anxiety. They're going to have anxiety regardless. But, you know, I always talk about not feeding the beast, you know, not doing things that are going to feed your anxiety. And that's what people aren't very good at. The, the diet, the, the not sleeping, the going too fast, the emoting before you get the facts. So you're always emoting, all those kinds, kinds of things. I, I take people down on those. First thing I do, I don't put new programs in. I, I, I look at them individually and say, let's look at your life and take away what is causing you problems. And everybody has them, some to you know, the greater degrees. Let's that let's you know it's the old story. You want your garage to look good, you got to clean it all out first, then you can put all the things you like in it. But you got to get all the junk out of your life. The way we're living life, it's just toxic and dysfunctional. That's just the way it is. Yeah, that's true. So do you have a, um, a set protocol for people or is it uh, each situation is different? Like, how do you work with people? Uh, each situation is different. Uh, of course, there are fundamentals that we do. And that's just what I've been uh, talking about. I've never heard anyone come in, again, comes in the, in the office and we don't have to slow things down a little. Uh, the other thing I want to do is that autopilot thinking. I want to get everything conscious. So they're thinking about it. The term that, you know, the coaches, so to speak, like to use today is the mind. It's just getting your conscious mind, that frontal cortex of your brain to work. Um, the, the primal instinct is more in the, in the back of the brain. And we're, we're, we're getting primal with everything we do. You know, look, look at society. Everything's reactive. So we want to get it up to the front of the brain. We want to get people thinking and making conscious decisions, looking at information, you know, making decisions based on information, not on emotions. Uh, so those things are in just about everyone. But then, of course, if, if I'm going to be respectful to the person and, and put an efficient program together for them, it's me working with them as individuals. So there'll, there'll be specifics that I have to that I have to work. I've noticed that, um, you know, my attention span has been fragmented. It's hard for me to pay attention to things for nearly as long as I used to. So, you know, for someone that wants to improve that wants to you know reset their brain back to the way it used to be at least somewhat uh, any recommendations are there any exercises to help build concentration or staying power or yeah the, the first grit? thing again first thing i'm doing is i'm going cleansing I, I, i'm looking at what you're putting in your body you know people used to smoke pot now how many how many people have marijuana cards well that's not going to do anything for focusing i guarantee it um, they're going to tell us that, and you might see some short-term gains. It might calm you down even a little bit, which will help. But, um, and, and I don't mean to make marijuana a, a, a demon here. Uh, for some people, it's going to work just fine. Um, but we have to be careful that we don't make that a cure-all. It's just the way it is. Ca the caffeine, get those things, get the things out of your body, out of your life 
that are causing that. If you're a person who is accelerating and then you, then you go to bed and you're, you're one of those people that watches videos and now it's two in the morning and you have to get up at seven or six, you're not going to focus. You're, what you're going to do is say, I'm really beat. You're going to go to the caffeine. That's going to give you some clarity of thought. It's a vicious circle. So I want to get those, the negatives and, uh, and, and people that can't focus and you know what they're going to do. They go to the doctor and say, doc, I can't focus. And you know what the doc's going to prescribe all the nice, a pill. You got it. Adderall, Adderall uh, you know, all those kinds of things. Now you're doing, you're putting that in your body and the key regard with any drug pot included, anything that is a drug is that it will have some positive effects, but it is a drug not something that was ever meant to go in your body and your body will rebel just a little bit or will have the negative effects. There are no side effects. They're bad effects. They're harmful effects. Mm. Side effects is a marketing word. You know, they are the harmful effects and every drug has them. So um, your book, what, what is, is it exploring the same thing we're talking about here or you know, what does it focus on? The, the first book is more inclined to do what we were doing. Uh, the first book, uh, the Fix Yourself Handbook was uh, 26 chapters of all different kinds of topics. The, the new book is, is primarily focused on anxiety. And the way I write, I write in short chapters, five to eight pages, give them all the information they need. So, you know, it's not real wordy, but then at, at the end of all my chapters, and this is the way I counsel, I say, okay, these are the things you need to do relative to this particular subject. So if, we, if, if there's a chapter on slowing down, I'm showing them how to do it. If there's a, cha- with a chapter on, uh, Get, you know, getting your emotions in control, there's some things to do. You know, at the, so it, it, you don't just get a whole lot of information. And unfortunately, that's the way self-help seems to work. What you get is uh, the information plus the roadmap. Here, here do the, these actions, do these. So I want my people to do, if they do what I'm telling them, they're going to get better. If they don't, that's their choice. So what kind of feedback have you gotten from your books? You know, interesting feedback. Uh, I've gotten great, but, you know, we... Uh, we uh, submitted it for uh, reviews, the first book, and uh, it, it won, I think, three awards. Uh, the reviews have all been five star, uh, you know, and I don't want to blow the horn here, but I think what's happened is people, I filled a niche. People were looking for just that. Someone that says, here's all the information, now do this. And we don't see that enough. If, you, if you're a self-help reader, you're going to find that, in fact, I'll challenge you, if you can find another book where at the end they say, here are the seven or eight steps or whatever it is, do these things. So, so based on that, I, I've given people actionable things. Don't just hear it. You heard us talk about cell phones. No, here, here's the, if I, if I, if I, if I wrote the fix your cell phone book, Richard, I would say now in the end of these chapters, do these things or stop mm. doing these things. So people know exactly how, what they should do. I can't do it for them, but I can certainly tell them what's going to work. Okay. The best place for people to start engaging with you is what to read your books first, or you know, what are your what's your recommendation? To people, well, the way I start it, yeah. If uh, you know, aside from the people who have access to me, local people, I would tell tell people go to my website first. It's fosterjerald.com. My name, everything about me, and all and the books and the programs and how I do things are there. All my media things, like we're doing today, are all there. Um, you can see excerpts from the books to determine whether you think that's going to work for you. Uh, articles I've written are there. So you can really see if I'm the guy that you want to continue to, to follow, or you may want to go in a different direction. But I would start there. If you're looking to buy the, the first book is on Amazon. The second book, we should be publishing very, very soon now, with next month or so. So that should be hitting the you know Amazon's pages uh, real soon. So, but start, start with the, um, with the, uh, 
website. There's a newsletter there. There's a contact page. You know, if someone says, hey, I really need to get to you, they can contact me. I'm good about answering people's uh, email. All right. That's great. Well, Faust, thanks for coming. The Daily Tonic is a five-minute newsletter that shares science-backed health news and tips, all while getting you to crack a smile or even laugh out loud on occasion. It's a daily morning newsletter started by wellness lovers for wellness lovers that covers everything from diet and exercise to morning routines and sleep aids. To subscribe, go to 247health.com and click on the Daily Tonic button at the top of the webpage. When you go to 247health.com to subscribe to the Daily Tonic newsletter, be sure to check out their product reviews and special recipes. There you can find reviews on the latest health technology that will improve your performance, your recovery, and your longevity. 247health.com believes that wellness is a personal journey, but it's always good to have a friend who knows what they're talking about, too. Give them a try at 247health.com. Did you know many of 247health.com's favorite products, like avocado oil mayonnaise, hydrating ketone water, skin-revitalizing red light lamps, all are featured on the Daily Tonic with discount codes? If you see a cool new product on the website, there's probably a special link on the Daily Tonic. Plus, the Daily Tonic also features new wellness products with special discounts every single day. To subscribe, go to 247health.com and click on the Daily Tonic button at the top of the webpage. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.